What's up everyone? Anthony Heller here with Deervane and this week I am riding solo and I'm just going to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, shed hunting and making a plan for this upcoming season, this 2022 fall season and what you can do right now um, to better that plan and make sure or at least increase the odds that you're successful with that plan. So let's jump into shed hunting right away. I don't know a ton about shed hunting. <laughs> I'm going to going to break that off right there and just let you guys know. But 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 I will say the reason I want to talk to you about it is cuz I have talked to a lot of really good shed hunters and I will share the information, kind of a compilation of what they have said. And and that kind of streamlines into a few things. Um first and foremost, certain properties are better than others for shed hunting. It's just how it is. You might kill or see or have great bucks on your trail cameras all, you know, during the rut and in the early season, and you may not see a track in the winter. And therefore, your property will suck for shed hunting. Because if there aren't deer on your property, there can't be antlers, right? I mean, it just goes hand in hand. And the and what really drives that is the food sources, right? In the winter, it's where are the bedding areas? Where is the least amount of pressure with the most amount of food? Like that's, that's all it is. And it's just a slave to their stomach. So there are certainly, um, areas and I've found a few around the public that I hunt where deer just hold up in the winter, right? And those areas are great for shed hunting. That's where you can find, find a lot of sheds. If they're not holed up in an area and you're not seeing, you know, deer out in, a, in an area, it makes it really difficult, right? I mean, that's like, you talk to anybody who, who is good at shed hunting um, it's not, it's, they always, they will always say like, yeah, it's not necessarily because like I'm this amazing shed hunter. It's because the property that I look on has great winter like range activity. There's a lot of deer who bed here in the winter cause there's a lot of good food and this is where they live. And maybe they'll even say like, oh yeah, dude, all our shed antlers are found on the East side of the property. We don't find anything on the West. So we don't even look, you know, you, you have that kind of, uh, what I want to say, dichotomy between, you know, just spots that are good for shed hunting. And they're usually pretty small pockets because the deer, like they get, again, they herd up, they hole up and they have very specific bedding areas, very specific food sources, and they just pretty much go to and from those. So that's where you're going to find all the sheds. And if you're the property that you're looking on, whether it's public or private, doesn't have that, you're not going to find them. So the first and foremost, the biggest thing is, is the, is the property itself. Um, and if you're trying to find sheds right now and you just want to go out and, and find your first antler or whatever, I suggest, I mean, the snow is pretty much gone, but you're going to want to go look in fields and look for, look for sign. You know, you're going to want to look for a lot of sign, make sure that there's sign in the fields or around the fields. If you can get closer to the fields and then from there backtrack to where you think bedding areas would be. And that's pretty much what what shed hunting consists of. As I talk to all these people, um, and some of them, some of them are big private landowners um, that that know uh, just that they plant food plots specifically for late season, and they just go look in those food plots and they find a ton of antlers. Like that's, just, I mean, that's how easy it can be. And I know one guy, um, a friend of a friend, he he uh, shed hunts on a property that doesn't have any hunting. And they leave acres of corn up for the deer in the winter just because they like it. And this property is like 600 and some acres and they'll leave up like 20 acres of standing corn for these deer. And they'll just come in and he just, he got rights to shed hunt it. And he's like, 
yeah, honestly, like I don't, I just walk around in those fields and I'll start in early February and I'll end in, you know, mid April or so. But that's where I find all my sheds are just in and around that field. Cause he's just got totes and totes and totes of these sheds. And so it's nothing for him. He's like, yeah, it's nothing like special. I'm not some shed guru. I just have a really good property and these people let me shed on it. Um, there is obviously certainly some skill involved to it. Cause you do have some public land guys who are out chasing sheds and, and they're doing well. And again, that comes down to scouting in the winter and, and knowing where these deer are, but then also understanding the food sources in the area, what's been tilled into what, um, what's growing, what has a farmer, was it a wet fall and the farmer wasn't able to get stuff out. So is there like the standing beans section over here or something like that. And also understanding the bedding areas that these deer like to use. That's one that regardless of the food source, you can usually find a bedding area or two that a deer, that deer will use in the winter. Um, that comes down to cover and then amount of sunlight and getting out of the wind. I know in some of the hill country that I, that I currently hunt, but I used to hunt a different property. The deer loved to tuck up in this, uh, one kind of little ravine in, in this hill country because it was pretty much in the sun from like essentially the sun would rise at 6 AM. It would get to them about seven 30 and would stay at them on them pretty much all night like, and, or all day and, and into the evening. And then it was usually, uh, they were facing, they're usually facing East. And that's because it's typically a West wind. So the West wind would come up and it would hit this like little ravine and it'd swirl over top of them. They could kind of smell anything that's coming from behind them. They're looking East, which pretty much allows that sun to pop up. And then as soon as it gets to east, southeast, like it's on them and they're warming up and they're sitting in this nice little cubby hole out of the wind in the sun and it just warms up the fastest. So one of the things that, I, that I've that i always taken note of since then is if you're looking for antlers and you're trying to find good bedding areas, find where the snow melts first. Wherever that snow melts first, that's usually the warmest spot in the area and that's where the deer want to be because it's, again, it's the warmest area unless for whatever reason there's no vegetation there and it's just not a good bedding area. But in those thicker areas, if you can find where that snow melts right away, that's generally where a lot of the deer want to be. And the last thing I'll say about shed hunting again is, is um, pretty much what everybody's also said is, is find the food, find the, find the beds and then find in between, you know, uh, you, the, the basic, the whole basics of shed hunting is, is where do deer spend their most amount of time because the, where they spend the most amount of time gives you the greatest odds of where their antlers are going to fall off. Right. I mean, if they're spending, you're right. If they're spending, you know, five minutes walking along a trail and then five hours in a field, you're much likely, much more likely to find the sheds in the field than you are on the trail. Certainly people do find them on the trails, but still, and that's why people find antlers in beds a lot, or they find them on tra uh, food sources, or a lot of times the other spot would be the trail from the bed to the food, right? So, you know, they spend eight hours a day in a bed, nine hours a day in a bed. They spend another, you know, 11 hours, 12 hours uh, out in the out in the fields. And then you get like four hours of travel where they're just kind of meandering around and walking around and whatnot on these trails. So that's where, you know, that's where I would, that's where, as I've talked to a lot of people, it is, you know, start with the food, 
work back to the beds, look in the look around the bedding areas, and then if you can't find anything there, start walking the trails, really scour the trails between the beds and the food. Now, the last thing I would like to just mention is that shed hunting's cool, it's fun, it's awesome. Um, and you find you find some cool antlers and you get to hang them up, you get to look at them, yada, yada, yada. But the the ability for those antlers to actually turn into meaningful data that you can use um, next season or something like that, it's not it's not a hundred percent you know correlated or a positive like correlation there. You certainly can find sheds and have them lead to a buck, like I did with um, earlier this year uh, with with Greg when Greg was on the, from Drury Outdoors. We talked to him and Greg found antlers in the same spot two years in a row and then killed that buck on the third year in that same spot where he found those antlers so like that certainly can happen um but a lot of people are they you know this buck i know other people who are like yeah i found a buck's antlers that i'd never seen before in my field and lo and behold he lives you know three miles away he just comes to this area in late january early february because it had all the food and he'll never get a crack at this deer again like that's certainly possible too. So taking it into account, whether or not, like when you find the sheds, is it actually meaningful data to a deer that you're looking for? Um, if you have history with a deer and whatnot, yeah, it can, but also it can mean nothing. Like you might never see a buck and find his sheds every year and never get a trail camera picture of them. Um, it's just a, such a hit or miss ratio. You really have to take into account, um, his historical data on your property. And if you think those antlers from that deer mean that that deer is living there and he's still feeding there. And of course you're going to have that information. Maybe you saw him during season, maybe you have trail cameras out. Um, and you didn't know if he made it through the, through the winter, you know, you th maybe gun season got him or something like that. It's another great reason to shed hunt and, and you're able to gather that data. All right. So that is that's shed hunting in a nutshell. I enjoy it just getting out there because you get out there with all the vegetation down, you get to go walk around and look for, you know, look for tines and you get tricked by a hundred, a hundred sticks before you actually find anything. So that's always, I think it's just fun to get out there and do that. Now, the next thing I wanted to chat with you guys about real quick is, is making a plan and, and it starts now and it starts by you sitting down um, with your calendar and trying to figure out what you're going to do next fall or this coming fall. And like everybody, whether you did really good this light in 2021 um, or you did really poorly, it's a new beginning. 2022 is a new beginning. It's a new start. You have more, a new time frame. You have new information um, and, and you got a lot of time ahead of you. You know, we're recording this in March. So you got, you know, eight, nine months before your season even starts. And so you got some time. Is that eight months? Maybe it's six, it's six months, six, sorry, six, seven months before uh, season starts. So that put us September, October. Um, so you got that time. All right. So the first thing that I always think about in my head when I'm trying to make a game plan for the season is when am I able to hunt? Like what, what time block am I going to try to block off? And when do I want to hunt on um, this fall? I would like to hunt the entire season, right? I would like to just be like, okay, I can take off at any time and just go. I know that's just not the case. My, my life is, 
uh, my work, my family comes first, my work comes second, and then hunting's third. Um, you know, and I, and I, and I, you know, I flutter with that a lot between work and, and, and hunting. But for me, uh, I enjoy my work. I enjoy the people I work with. Uh, I have some phenomenal opportunities at work. So I, I have work ahead of hunting right now. Um, so with that in mind, I have to, you know, start planning around that and start figuring out when I can hunt and, and what I got going on. So for me, um, and, and there's a couple other factors you want to put into there. The other factors would be, do you know when the property that you're hunting is at its best? Is it a property that you usually are seeing deer on in early season and mid season and late season? And what is, and also what is the pressure like? Uh, because, you know, we talked to, um, wow, just drawing a blank. Uh, just love the last episode, um, <laughs> uh, talking with Alex Alex had a uh, pressure coming in, in a, in a public land hunting spot and he wanted to get there before the pressure did. So that's another reason when you want to, why you want to book off specific time. So take a look at when you want to take off. All right. Um, or when you want to try to put the effort in and if it's the, the whole season, fantastic. That's great. It's just, if you have a dedicated time, you can really scout for that dedicated time frame. Right. So like there's some spots that I scout and I know it's an early season spot. Like, and if I have the time early season, this is where I'm going to spend my time. So I put the effort in that area into scouting for early season. And what I mean by that is like, I, so this year I want to, I want to real I really want to put in some effort in early season. I'm going to be planting food plots. I'm going to be hanging some sets ahead of time on the private property, yada, yada, yada. I really want to try to get something going early season this year where I can find a buck, get on a buck and, and try to target specifically target a buck in early season. And that's the last two weeks of September for me. Um, and then there's also like, you know, my, the property that I'm hunting our property, it does do pretty well in late October. Um, it, it is, has historically done better in late October than earlier mid November from the trail camera perspective. So I will put more stock in that last week of October or second to last week of October than I will, you know, November, you know, 6th through the 15th, just because like my cameras and all my sightings, my personal like, uh, adventures on that property, my personal hunts show me that, that early, that early, uh, or late October, um, is a better time frame than early November, mid November. Um, but either way, like taking a look at that data, figuring out what you want to do for the fall, you know, and some people like, some people don't like hunting early season. Hell, the, the public land I hunt is a mosquito like heaven. They just love it. So I hate hunting there in the early season. I really do. And, and I know that's, that can be like, you know, pretty wimpy of me and whatnot, but I just, I do, I would rather drive an hour and a half to public ground. than that's what I was doing. That doesn't have a lot of mosquitoes and hunt that in the early season. than I would trying to dive into this dirty swamp where I'm just going to get eaten alive the whole time. Even with the thermocell, you're just getting pounded the whole way in and while you're getting set up. And it's just, it's not fun. Like at the end of the day, like I do a lot of this stuff for fun and the grind is fun, but, uh, having 19 mosquito bites on my nose by the time I get there is just not fun. So I'm just not, I'm not interested in that. So, um, so I try not to hunt that stuff early season. Now, there are a couple spots that are pretty close to the parking lot that I do like hunting early season. 
But when I'm looking at a piece, it's, am I hunting this early? Am I hunting this in the pre-rut? Am I hunting this during the rut? Or am I hunting this late? And if once I figure that out, and, and I would tell you to do the same, like think about how you're going to uh, attack your season based on um, when you're going to be hunting and what the deer activity is in that area in that time frame. Um, for early season, like if that's what you're after, awesome. What you should be looking for when you're scouting right now in the spring, you should be looking for buck beds. Like that is going to be huge in the early season because bucks are fairly, are more predictable in their bedding patterns in the early season than they are in the pre-rut or the rut. Um, and so like getting there to those bedding areas or those, those buck beds in the early season is a better bet because they usually have a food source or two or three food sources that they really like, but they usually have some very specific beds that they like too. And, and they're more consistent, you know, let's just say during the pre-rut, they might have, a buck might have 25 beds in, in his life. Like, let's just say he's got 25 beds that he likes to use. Um, in the early season, he might only use three to five of them, three to five, maybe six of them. And in the pre-rut, he's moving around a lot more. So maybe he's using 15, 16 of them. And during the rut, he's using like all 25, just depends on where he ends up that day. Right. So there's, there's, there's these differences in that, uh, in that bedding area and consistency of that bedding area in the early season. So targeting buck beds in the early season is a great way to kill bucks. And the other big reason is because they just don't move a lot before dark. The closer you are to the bed, the sooner you can get a shot at that deer and the less distance he has to move before you, before you see him. Right. So, I mean, that's an obvious one. Just the sooner you can get to them, the better. So finding those buck beds would be big. So I'd be putting, if I'm, if I'm trying to kill something early season this year, and that's what I'm after, I would be putting a lot of stock in getting out there now and going and searching all these different areas where I think there could be a buck bed and then marking those down on Onyx or whatever you're using and picking out some trees in those areas. So buck beds are huge. Understanding the the food and the beds is also really big. So if you find eight different buck beds and then one of those eight buck beds that you like has a direct path to a, a food source and this year that food source just happens to be soybeans, which is a great early season food source for deer, like fantastic. Like the odds of him being in that bed just went up dramatically. And that's one of the other reasons is you need to scout out and find a lot of these beds is because you have no idea what the egg is going to do next year or what the mass crop is going to do. Maybe he's got eight beds and there's one bed that has a phenomenal, you know, white oak right down the ridge from him or whatever. And that thing is just dropping like you're walking through there and it sounds like rain. And that's just a dinner bell for those deer. So he's, and, and maybe that buck bed uh, that correlates to that white oak flat uh, is is going to be hot and maybe the three other buck beds you found you went and checked those and the acorns are no good there you know they're just not producing fantastic now you have a really narrow window that he's very likely to be in you know you can set up some trail cameras check them out boom there he is and you can get in there and that's what jake bush did last year for for his early season buck right he picked out the found the buck beds and then he went in there after um 
after that buck based on that buck going after those white oaks. I think it was white oaks. It was white oaks or red oaks. But either way, um, finding multiple beds so that you can then uh, pinpoint which bed you want to target based on a food source is really, really effective early season. And it is, and I, and I, it's so much easier for me to just say that than it is to actually do it. Like finding those buck beds is not an easy thing. Like you got to put some time into figuring those things out. All right. Like that is, that's, that's a, that's a unique skill in itself. And the only way you can get better at it is by doing it. You have to go and you have to look and you have to put in the time and you have to start under like just getting after it and start, start looking at all these small details and figuring these things out. Um, and I have a podcast on that with Jake. Um, that was a while back. Uh, what podcast number is that? Let me just look it up real quick. Um, Jake Bush, 111. So that's buck bed scouting. If you want to know more about that, go go check out that one. And the last thing for early season is can you glass a specific area? Can you sit a mile away with binos or a spotting scope and watch a specific area? It seems like the the few people that I interviewed this last year in 2021 who killed early season bucks, Jake was Jake Bush was the only one that did not glass up this buck. But Jake also had been glassing up other bucks in the area. So like that's a big uh, apparently and I'm not saying I shouldn't say apparently. Um but that is one of the the number one tactics. I talked to five guys who killed great bucks last year in 2021, and all five of them, their one of their number one tactics was glassing. Like, get out there and go watch in the evening, and just watch and watch and watch, and you'll learn. So this year, I will be doing much more glassing. Um, so if you can find an area that gives you the opportunity to glass. That might be an area that you previously didn't consider hunting, but now just because you do have the opportunity to glass it and you go check it a few times and you see some good deer, like, okay, awesome. Now it is a, a chance for you to hunt it. So I've picked out a couple spots that I, on the piece of public, that will allow for glassing near me. Because, um, uh, again, I'm hunting a lot of big timber stuff here and big timber and swamps, which don't bode well for, for glassing because um, it's a lot of flat land and it's just difficult. So, um, I have found a couple spots that I think would do well for that. And I'm going to give it a shot this year. So I'll spend some time in, in July and August out there in the evenings on some nice cold front nights and red moon nights and whatnot, checking that stuff out. All right. So that is, that's early season. Those are the three big things that I think you should key in on is, is buck beds, food and correlation to those buck beds and then glassing. Um, and then the next one, so, and again, these are all things that can relate back to your plan. So if your plan is, I'm going to take off a week, I'm going to take off the first week of season, I'm going to get after it. Um, here's what I want to do. Or maybe it's, maybe it's, I only have the first week of season. Like maybe your season starts the beginning of October and then, you know, your kid's birthday or your kid starts playing baseball in mid-October. I don't know, whatever it is. Um, or they start playing basketball and then you got to go coach or your wife is a coach or, or just timing. It's timing about everything. Everyone has different lives. So you just have to like, if you want to get your hunting in and you have these specific windows, here's the things that I would focus on for these specific windows of time. All right. And, and how you can do, put your scouting to better use and be more intentional with your scouting right now than, um, than, than just going out and walking around and taking note of stuff. Like taking note of stuff is great, but it's like, when is, when is this area effective? When is this scrape, 
you know, that's the next thing we're going to talk about is a pre-rut. When are these scrapes effective? Like, when should I be here? Um, and rather than, rather than just finding it and going, oh, there's a scrape, find it and go, okay, there's a scrape, but how can I use this to my advantage in one way or another? So next thing, pre-rut. Um, if you're going to be hunting, you know, essentially mid October, like October 15th to October 31st, if that's your time frame, um, you know, you're going to be wanting to focus a lot on scrapes. Like that's, that's probably your biggest key indicator is, is scrapes. Um, cause that'll tell you if you can find some community scrapes, scrapes that are hit year round and whatnot. Um, I have a whole podcast on that. So if you can find those, that's awesome. That's, that's where I would start. And again, um, drop pins on all the scrapes you find because I have had it happen on multiple occasions where after I got home and I looked at Onyx and I looked at those scrapes, there's a, a line starts to form and you can clearly see how these deer are going from one scrape to the next and the kind of the paths or the, the rough direction of travel that they're headed, or, you know, as they go from scrape to scrape to scrape. So drop all those down. And especially if you find the real big ones, of course, make sure that you, you know, drop a bigger pin there and maybe throw a camera up on it. Community scrapes are used year round. Okay. So even right now in the middle of March, those community scrapes are being hit. And I know like even on our, even on our private ground that we're hunting, um, in January, I had three scrapes that were open. Okay. So you know, those things are being used year round and, and throwing a camera on there now when there's no other really public land hunting going on and you get, and there's no turkey hunting going on yet, you can go out there and throw your cameras up there with a lot of worry-free, uh, activity, except for the guys out there scouting. But, um, you know, like, like us, but at the same time, you're not dealing with Joe Schmo who's just out there to, you know, hunt this day and not probably not hunt again the rest of the season. All right. Just less pressure out there. So keep an eye on those scrapes. Um, if that's, if that's your time frame, is that pre-rut bedding areas, of course, you're going to want to understand those again, but rather than specific buck beds, like we were talking about earlier, I'm talking about more so bedding areas. So areas that does like to bed in big thickets where you're going to find two to six does or whatever, um, that they're going to be bedded up in. Cause those are really important as far as like checking goes, you know, scent checking those bucks will work from bedding area to bedding area to bedding area and typically outside those bedding areas and in between are those scrapes right so i have i have one spot that i'm thinking of off the top of my head literally there is a scrape right outside of a bedding area and it is super super thick and nasty i've walked through it once don't want to walk through it ever again um, and there's a scrape outside of it and then every about 100 to 150 yards further there's another scrape until i get to another bedding area, um, which is, uh, probably a couple thousand yards away. So there's like seven, eight, nine scrapes between these two big bedding areas. And once I found that out and plotted it on Onyx, like I started to figure out, okay, like here are the, where I can set up tree stands. Here's where I can ambush here. And here's my most effective like opportunity. And this is very likely going to be a pre-rut setup opportunity. And I was able to, I, I, I winged a, I winged a really nice buck, um, a few years back doing that exact same setup, um, on that exact same, uh, trail that I'm talking, trail scrape system that I'm talking about. And, um, and I say winged them cause I, I shot them. 
um, and I hit a branch coming right out of my bow and I hit him in the back leg um, pretty low and I got him on trail camera three days later. No, and my arrow went right through him. Um, no issue, like he was running around um, chasing does and I just got a look at his leg and um, there was no, uh, there or there was a little hole there, but it wasn't anything awful. So it looked, it looked good. Um, and I did get him later that year as well. Um, in like late season, I got him once, um, and he was not looking bad at all. He was really fat. So good, good stuff there. Um, besides me messing up that shot. So, um, finding bedding areas. And then again, the other piece would be scrapes near food. And I'm not talking about scrapes on food. Um, so cause scrapes on those field edges, especially on public ground, it's, it's really unlikely that those deer are actually hitting those during daylight hours. It's certainly possible, but it's unlikely, um, on private ground. It's also possible. Um, it's a little bit more likely, but still not, not super likely. What I like to focus on there is scrapes near food sources. And we're talking like anywhere from, um, 30 to 80 yards off the food source. And as like, they're like, they would be coming to that food source. It's almost like what people call a staging area. And I was, was always confused at what people meant when they say that originally. Um, and it's just kind of like where deer are to stop, to mill around for food and eat. And just kind of like they're up from, and they're out of their bed, but they're not to the main food source that they're after, which is that egg field. They're just kind of back in the woods a ways and they're, you know, eating twigs and eating some different green leaves that they find. And, you know, maybe there's a scrape back in there that they want to hit before they head out to the main field and whatnot. So that's like, that's those staging areas. So keeping an eye out for those staging areas, those scrapes that are further back off the field. That's another one that I'd really focus on because those, that might be, um, your, your ambush where you can really Next one would be the rut. You know, if, if your time frames and you're taking off and you're all your buddies, you're doing a rutcation and whatnot, and you're going from, you know, November 2nd or November 3rd all the way through November like 10th or 11th, you're going after pinch points. Like that is the number one thing that you're after is where are the bedding areas? I want to find, a, then this is number two is bedding areas. But where are the bedding areas and where is an area of, of funneling deer activity between these two, between two bedding areas or between three bedding areas? Where is an area where the deer have to pass through? All right. So pinch points, you're looking for where, you know, the, the, the vegetation really narrows down and they have to go through a specific corridor, like a specific tree line or a specific, you know, hedgerow or something like that. You're looking for uh, places where they're crossing terrain um, or obstacles like a creek, like creek crossings are awesome during the rut. Um, you know, if there's only one creek crossing for the next 200 yards, like they're going to come through here. So setting up there is a good idea. Uh, you know, any sort of pinch or funnel, and you can look those up. We've talked about that a lot. Um, you can look those up, just type it into, you know, Google or whatever search browser you have um, deer hunting pinch points. So you're really spending a lot of your time on pinch points, bedding areas. And the reason you're doing that, um, of course, is because the, the deer are just traveling and they're just moving a lot. They're moving all over the place and they're going from one spot to another, to another, to another, trying to find those hot does. And rather than 
being in an area where the deer can take one of six different trails. So you got to get lucky and pick the right trail. Be in an area where the, where the deer have to pick one of two trails. The odds go up from one in six to one in two, and you're just, your odds are much better. So trying to find those pinch points and go out and scout for the, for those pinch points. And a lot of those pinch points you can find, um, via satellite maps and topographical maps too, but also like there's a component to walking on the ground and finding those. So, uh, get out there again, find the bedding areas, find the pinch points, and that'll be your best, um, best bet for the rut. Last one. Late season is the exact same thing as early season, buck beds, food sources, glassing. Same exact three, um, no different there really besides the, the type of food. Early season, there's so much food that, um, that the deer can pretty much eat anywhere, but they're going to prefer like a, a green soybean field or a clover food plot or something like that or oaks. And in the late season, Deer are preferring standing beans, uh, standing corn, um, anything that's got a large amount of volume that's got high nutrition. Um, I don't personally, I don't really have a lot of experience hunting like oak flats in the late season. I've never really heard anyone talk about it. A lot of the late season guys um, are usually food plot guys uh, that have planted for late season or they just literally leave, they pay the farmer to leave up some standing beans. So late season, again, much like early season, um, find the buck beds, find the food and, uh, and glass when you can. Glassing in the late season is awesome. I love doing that actually, because it's really easy to pick out the deer. There's no vegetation. You can just sit back and you can kind of glass and figure out which fields they're entering into and where they're entering them from, and then go set up and, and get a chance. So those are the, the four portions of season that I'm looking at. And again, making a plan, find out when you can take off, find out when you can go hunting. And then based on that, take into account what we just covered just now when you're out there scouting. Cause the thing that I used to do was I would just go scout without, without intention. I would just go out and go, just go look around and kind of find all this information and then hopefully reconcile it back when I got back to the truck and I had some time to process it all. And that wasn't doing me nearly as much good as now when I go out there, I have, when I'm in a specific area, I know when I want to hunt it. I know what time of year I want to hunt it. I know when I would need to take off to hunt it. And then I can start being very intentional with how I would set up, where I would set up, how I'd enter and exit and all the different things that you have to think about when when you're trying to figure out a spot, okay? And we covered those in the last one with, with Alex as well. Um, all those different things, things, that, things to think about when you find a spot. So that would be my main my main thing with this whole podcast here is, is make a plan and be intentional with your scouting. Know what you're out there to look for. Stick to that plan. Stick to going after it. And if you find some other stuff, that's awesome. That's great. Mark it down, but stick with your initial plan and what you're after and why you're there and be intentional. And then later, if there's something else reveals itself or whatever, then you can do the old reconcile trick, sit back and and try to decipher what you just found if it wasn't what you were thinking. Um, And then move on and go from there. And maybe you're able to then switch up the time that you're going to take off or you gotta you gotta keep that exact same time frame and you just need to move on to a different spot that looks or would be better for that time frame.
All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. I know this was a short one and it was just by myself, but I hope making a plan helped. I hope this thought process uh, helped a little bit. Um, and maybe you're out there looking for sheds and you find some sheds. That'd be really cool. Uh, send them my way. I always love to see them. There's, I mean, the little ones are always, I always like to laugh because the, the little ones are harder to find. So they're the bigger trophies than the big dogs, right? <laughs> and that's all I've ever I, I've, I've found a few nice sheds, but I've never found any of those, uh, really, really tankers, you know, those like 70 or 80 or 90 inch sides. Um, but, uh, I've certainly found a couple little dink, a couple little dinks. And I like to say that those are harder to find because they're a lot smaller. So anyway, hope you guys are having fun this spring. Hope you guys are having a good time. Um, enjoying everything out there right now, especially some of this nice weather we're having come through. And again, you know, your season starts now, get after it get going, start putting your time in, put your boots on the ground, and hopefully um, it'll pay off big time this fall. All right, until next time, catch you guys later.